0: is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 11th of September 2023. Later on Market Day, we'll speak with David Scott from City Index. But first, Corporate Governance Group. Ownership Matters says there's been an improvement in boardroom diversity. Females now make up about 34.2% of boards on the ASX 300, up from 9.6% in 2005. But more work still needs to be done. For more on that, Raina Bosch spoke with Ownership Matters Director Dean
1: Patch. What we're seeing is that the trend towards uh, appointing more women on the boards of Australian companies has really accelerated over the last three years. There's still quite a lot of work to do, with roughly one third of all uh, directorships being held by women, but it's a really pleasing trend. We've also seen that uh, boards in Australia are more independent, so they are less captured by uh, executives and uh, other staff, which is a really positive thing. Um, And whilst uh, the number of directors holding more than one seat has been constant at um, around about one in five directors, there is some evidence that there is uh, the start of some overboarding where a small number of directors are holding many seats all at once.
2: Now, Dean, we'll go back to that in a minute. But first, I I'm going to touch on another point from the research, which is the ASX 100, so that's the top 100 companies on the ASX, seems to be doing better in terms of female representation than the ASX 300 as a whole. Can you talk us through why that is?
1: Well, often we see smaller cap companies, so really um, micro cap companies, as they are coming into the ASX 300 for the first time, run headlong into the expectation of directors that they'll reflect the broader society in which uh, they are transacting. And so it takes some time for uh, you know smaller cap companies to realise that investors do expect that they will be genuinely looking for uh merit-based candidates rather than just people that they know. Through time, as those companies uh, grow in um, market cap, they tend to meet those expectations. So I think it's roughly uh, 38% of all ASX 100 company directorships are held by women. And it's something like uh, 30% only in the uh, ASX 300 itself.
2: Dean, you mentioned before that female directors often hold more than one position. Why is that happening? And I guess a broader question is, is this resulting in directors being spread too thin?
1: That is a real question because what we saw is about five years ago, a real rush to add uh, women to the boards of ASX uh, companies. It seems with the benefit of the rearview mirror that a lot of the same women were being reappointed being pointed to the next company. So if we look at women who have four or more, oh, sorry, if we look at all ASX directors who have four or more seats, 10 out of those 13 are women. So there's some evidence of overboarding um, associated with the female cohort, but I imagine that that will work its, work its way out in the next uh, few years as those directors come up for uh, reappointment um, in the next cycle.
2: And what, if anything, can you tell us about cultural diversity on these boards?
1: Well, Australian boards 20 years ago were pale, male and stale. Um, and whilst we've seen the biggest shakeup to that uh, situation being the introduction of uh, women, the uh, cultural diversity is uh, still a bridge too far. So there's a lot of work to be done to ensure that Australian boards reflect the societies that they that they serve.
2: Finally, Dean, more and more boards seem to be getting scrutinised about sacrificing the interest of the customer or the consumer for the shareholder. Qantas is a prime case recently. What are your views on this?
1: Well, the most important job of the board yeah. is to hire and fire the CEO and also to set and maintain the strategy. In the case of Qantas, it's very clear that the missteps of Qantas are the missteps of the board. So whilst a lot of the focus has been on the CEO, Alan Joyce, it's equally the case that the board itself is responsible for the flight credit fiasco of the disastrous uh, customer service. And it'll be interesting to see at the forthcoming AGM whether shareholders express their displeasure at the mismanagement of that customer promise.
0: Dean Patch there from Ownership Matters speaking with Rainer Bosch.
1: Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. The Australian share market
0: rose, but it was in the red for most of the morning. The S&P ASX 200 up half percent to 7,192. I spoke with David Scott from City Index, a market analyst there for more. David, it's a pretty quiet start to the working week. Why do you think that is?
3: Uh, Ricardo, there's a lot of big risk events coming towards the uh, the back end of the week. Uh, on Wednesday evening, our time, we get the US CPI report for August. Uh, that's going to be a big one when it comes to the US interest rate outlook. And then about 24 hours after that, we get the ECB policy announcement in September. Uh, you combine those two events, uh, there's a lot of risk involved with that, particularly when it comes to uh, the outlook for interest rates not only there but also other parts of the world and i think a lot of people are choosing this session to go and sit on their hands
0: before we talk about some of those uh, those events uh in terms of the markets today w- what's driving it which stocks which sectors
3: uh, today it's uh, really interesting to see what's going on we're just seeing the chinese a uh, new one data lending data coming out from the PBOs today, and that's coming a tad stronger than expectations so it shows that a lot of those measures that are being put in place by the PPOC by the, the government to go and stimulate activity on the surface, it looks like we're starting to see some of that uh, transmission coming through. So things like iron ore futures, uh, coke and coal futures are both up over 2% uh, as we speak right now. And that's flowing through to the miners. Also a big development uh, when it comes to bond markets today. Uh, the Bank of Japan, Governor Ueda, was talking over the weekend and talking about the potential for uh, removing negative interest rates. they have been running with that since... Uh, before the GFC, that's seen bond yields across the world start to go and rise, particularly the longer end of the curve, and that's going through to the financial sector. So our banking sector is doing pretty well today, as are banks in Japan and other parts of the world.
0: Okay, uh, some of the economic calendar that you mentioned, the ECB meeting this week, the US Fed next week, we get those CPI numbers um, from the US on Wednesday. To what extent are the direction of interest rates still on the minds of investors?
3: 100 uh, percent ricardo there's still the driving force behind all market uh, movements at this point in time the us dpi is going to be very important when it comes to the near-term u.s interest rate outlook but uh, when you look at the, uh, the the composition of what we're going to see we're likely to see that year-on-year rate for the headline inflation perk up as we've uh, all seen around the world energy prices have been, uh, been stoked but the core reading which is more important when it comes to the interest rate outlook that's still likely to be fairly benign at 0.2 percent month on month uh when you put that together it's not going to go and have probably the big, big impact unless you see a big shock movement one way or another. And given what we're seeing in other alternate data sources, we don't think that's going to go come through on that particular release. ECB is is interesting as well because uh, they have got a really tough decision at the moment. Uh, you talk about high inflation, sticky inflation at the moment, but then on the country side of it, growth is, is going to an absolute stall at the moment. In, in Germany in particular, it's really bad. So how are they going to navigate that particular sense without causing a full-blown recession. Uh, ECB, I can see why the markets are now swinging around through only about a third uh, chance that we'll see a 25 basis point increase come Thursday night.
0: Here we've got the labour force numbers coming out on Thursday. I think ANZ, for example, is expecting something like 30,000 jobs to be added, the unemployment rate falling from 3.7 to 3.6. What's all of that likely to mean for the Reserve Bank? Because last week it left the official interest rates on hold.
3: Uh, Look, it's going to be important uh, answering the question as to whether that heat in the labour market is sustainably starting to go and come out. We saw in the previous uh, release that uh, was for July, there was a bit of confusion as to what the actual message was because there's uh, signs that holidays were being impacting uh, a lot of the figures, which created that unexpected rise in the unemployment rate. If we get a second increase in unemployment at this particular meeting, it's going to basically mean that the RBA rate hikes are, are pretty much going to be off the table for the foreseeable future. Uh, it's going to be important. We'll see that snapback. If it doesn't come through, well, then look the RBA is more than likely done when it comes to interest rates.
0: Uh, the Australian dollar, it's been weakening of late. Is it something to keep an eye on?
3: Absolutely. It's the uh, the whipping boy of uh, of currency markets at the moment. Uh, really a way that, uh, that markets are playing the, the China slowdown story and concerns there by using the Aussie dollar, given our close economic ties. But even today, we're we're seeing a big rebound. The Aussie dollar is actually up about 1% or so. And that's partly in, in response to that better than expected lending data from china so there's a lot of pessimism priced in to the aussie dollar there's a lot of optimism priced into the us dollar if that story was starting to change slightly uh we could see quite a big pop coming through and look maybe that's taking part today
0: and finally where do you see the opportunities for investors at the moment
3: good question uh it still feels like it's late cycle for me traditional energy looks like an area that's still pretty good at the moment a lot of those base metals are disappointed about what's been going on in China. But when it comes to the decarbonization story of the globe, I think that's still a very unappreciated risk that we're not going to be able to supply all these battery materials, all these EVs, uh, given the, the difficulty in getting a mine up and running. Uh, also, when it comes to fixed income markets, whilst there's a lot of people talking about the bond market in particular are concerned about how much higher yields might go, on a longer-term time horizon, uh, bonds at the moment, particularly – uh, bonds that are like five to 10 years look really really sweet spot for me uh, cover off inflation cover off growth uh, as a risk-free asset uh, it looks pretty healthy considering what you can get elsewhere
0: David Scott there from City Index. This SBS on the Money stream is provided for informational purposes only. The content in this stream should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and it does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.